0: The kids will be practicing right here immediately after Sunday school this morning. So um, uh, teachers, remind them of that. The Wednesday kids that are in the program tonight, right after Sunday school, will be practicing for tonight. So we look forward to that special time tonight. We just sang the song, What Child Is This? You know, it's fascinating that throughout the Scriptures, this child was prophesied centuries before. From the very beginning of mankind in Genesis 3.15, it was prophesied that a woman would bear a child and. He would be the one that redeems us from our sin. So clear back in Genesis 3.15, but we've been looking and we started to look at this last week about this child that Isaiah hundreds of years <clears throat> before Christ came identified this child and, and gave us names of this child that convey who this child is and what his mission will be and is. And last week, we saw that this child would be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. And and we concluded from that study, that we are to celebrate who this child is. We are to embrace the wonder of Jesus. We are to seek and obey His counsel. And we are to rest in His power. He is the mighty God. And we are to rest in His power. And we are to stand in awe of Him. He is the wonderful Counselor. He is the mighty God. And this morning we want to go on and look at some other aspects of the name. He says that He is the everlasting Father. God has made us and designed us that there is a great Father need in our life. The the positive continuous relationship to one's father has been found to be associated with good self-concept, with a a good outlook of life, confidence, uh, more adaptability to society, um, higher moral um, maturity. There's many, many benefits of, of a good relationship with the Father. Society bears that out, and there are many consequences when there are, that is not. And, and God has put that in all of us. And yet, earthly fathers are not enough. Earthly fathers, none are perfect earthly fathers disappoint they fail they grow old if God's willing and they die and as much a blessing as earthly fathers can be satan has attacked it and corrupted it and he realizes the importance of fatherhood, and many of the problems in our nation today can go back to the lack of fathers in the home. But even when there has been a good relationship, we as earthly fathers are so limited, and it, it, it's always interesting. You um, you grow up, and as the certain stages, you you look at your dad as, wow, he can do anything, and he can fix anything. And, and then as you get older, you think, um, well, maybe he can't fix everything. Problems in life that he can't fix, and other things in life that he can't fix. Sometimes you go through a stage where does dad know anything? And then, then as you get out on your own and you become a father, you become to see, oh, maybe my parents knew a little more than I thought they knew. And you find yourself saying the same things your parents said to you. And you think, whoa, that is that is weird. And then you come with the respect for them, but then you begin to see if life takes its normal course, you begin to see your parents can't do what they used to do. Dad, dad's not able to do what he used to do. Just physically he's not able. We won't even go to mentally, okay? <laughs> but um, the reality is, if life takes its normal course, you begin to see them, them waning in in strength, in in um, their abilities, and yet we're called to honor our parents. But this is where this message of God as our as sending His Son, and He is our everlasting Father it's everlasting meaning that he is eternal and this child this think of this isaiah is giving this prophecy of this child in bethlehem and he said this child is an everlasting father jesus is the source or author of all eternity he is the creator himself. This child. He took upon himself the form of a man that we're remembering at Christmas, but he is the everlasting father. He was before there was time. He is in time. He is after there will be time. He is literally the one who existed forever He inhabits, literally in Hebrews it means, He inhabits eternity. Wherever you would go in eternity, this child is there. Jesus Christ is there. In Revelation chapter 1, it refers to Him which is, which was, and which is to come. Referring to this child, Jesus Christ. He is now, He always was, and He always will be. In Proverbs 8, before the mountains were formed, I was there. When, when God spoke to Job, He brought out the eternalness. In Colossians chapter 1, it says, All things were created by Him, and all things were created for Him, And without Him, without Jesus Christ, nothing was made that was made. So, when he says He's the everlasting Father, he's referring to this aspect that He is eternal. He is the author of all eternity, but it also encompasses with it, He's not restricted by time. We cannot wrap our minds around this. It isn't like, God is going to be. God is already at the end. At the same time, He's at the beginning, He's at the end, and He's present. He is not restricted by time. We, there's no way we can comprehend that because everything about us is restricted by time. We have time constraints. You have less than a week now to get ready for Christmas. And to some it's like, oh no. And we're constrained by time. He is the everlasting Father. He is eternal. He is not restricted by time. And it means He does not change. He does not change. He does not grow old. We mentioned as earthly fathers, we grow old. He does not grow slow or frail. He does not mature. He can't mature because He's perfect. He does not change. He is everlasting. This is who He is. And this is what Isaiah is prophesying. As we look at the babe in the manger, and I I love the fact at at every service, um, before or after, you'll see, by the little nativity scene outside the door, you'll see youngsters there just looking at it and rearranging the nativity scene. You never know where you're going to find baby Jesus there. But we ought to come with wonder and amazement. This babe is the eternal one. He is everlasting, but then He changes it from being eternal. He is the everlasting Father and He makes it personal. This is everlasting, the eternal one, but it's personal. We have not been given, Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, we have not been given the spirit of bondage, again unto fear, but we have been given the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, If an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more does your heavenly father desire to give good things to you? And he's bringing this from an eternal being. He brings it down personally to the fact that he is willing to be our father. Isaiah now declares that those who trust in God will never be without a father. Events may, may arise around us that cause fear. Storms of life may come and grip us with anxiety. The uncertainty of the future may rest upon us. But, Isaiah says, you In Christ, have a Father. As a Father, Christ is so much. One, as a Father, He is our representative. Meaning, He he represents us. We are represented in the first Adam because we are of the offspring of Adam. So we are represented in Adam. But we are represented in Christ. He is the second Adam. He is our representative. He is, um, we are made in His likeness. Not only is He our representative, but we understand that through our relationship to Adam, we become corrupt and weak The body is put in the grave in dishonor and corruption and weakness and shame. But when we come under the power of the second Adam, we receive strength, we receive quickening life, and therefore our body rises again as a seed that is buried, rising again in the time of harvest. So, when, when Isaiah says, he is our father, he is representative of us. But as a father, we say George Washington is the father of our nation. Meaning, he is one of the founders of our nation. As a father, Jesus Christ is the founder, the father of all Christians, the father of all Christianity, the Father of the entire system of grace that is given to us. It's all through Him. He is the founder. He is the Father of all the doctrines of Christianity. Everything in Christianity is built on this child. He is the everlasting Father. But the Father is also the life giver. And what we're coming to see in this child, this child is the one that gives us life. Without Him, we have no spiritual life. We are dead in our trespasses and sin. He is the one that gives us life and changes us from rebellion to faith and turns us into a a new creation We're born spiritually. Without Christ, there is no life. There is no eternal life. So, He is our representative. He is the founder. He is the life giver. All this is encompassed in Him being our Father, but it also means He is our caregiver. A Father provides, a Father instructs, a Father leads a father protects, a father disciplines, a father comforts. And this child is raised up to be all of that for us. He provides, he instructs us, he leads us, he protects us, he disciplines us, and he comforts us. He is the perfect father. And that's what we're celebrating here. Um, Some of you may have never known your father. Some of you, your father, you only knew him for a short time and then he was gone. Some, your father lived, but now he's gone. He's no longer a part of your life. Some of you still enjoy the presence of your father. But what God is telling us, I will be an everlasting father. I will everlastingly be your caregiver. I will everlastingly provide for you. I will everlastingly pick you up and comfort you. There were times as a child I can remember my dad picking me up and setting me on his lap in times of comfort. There were also times I remember my dad picking me up and setting me on his lap and it was not a time of comfort. It was a time of, co- of correction and discipline and you know the saying, I'm doing this because I love you and this hurts me more than it hurts you and blah, 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 all those. Those are the words you say later to your kids too. But in our life, Jesus... Comforts us, he disciplines us, he is the everlasting father, he is the perfect father. Every one of us as fathers can look at things, many things, and and openly admit I'm a long ways from being anywhere near to being a perfect father. But we have in Jesus Christ the perfect father, and and this should cause us rejoicing. As we look at this now, nothing can separate me from the care of the Father. And in Jesus Christ, I have that care and provision. So, rejoicing in the everlasting Father. Then he says, He is the Prince of Peace. We're familiar to some degree with the word Shalom. It conveys a range of meanings that include safe, well-being, friendly, happy, prosperity, absence of strife. An interesting part of the word means completeness, in harmony, having fulfillment. The phrase that is used here literally means the prince whose coming brings peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He is the Prince whose coming brings peace. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 14, Paul stated that Christ is Himself our peace. It doesn't say He is the peacemaker. It says He Himself is our peacemaker. So, by His coming, Jesus Christ... By His coming, He offers peace with God. We are born into this world. We are at enmity with God. We are opposed to God. We are against God. And because of God's holiness, we are separated from God. But the Prince of Peace came first and foremost to bring us to peace with God. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ, this child, through his blood that our sins are forgiven and we are brought to peace with God. We are no longer seen as guilty when we've accepted Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. By his birth, by his death and his resurrection, he made it possible that we are no longer an enemy of God. That we are adopted into His family. We are made a child of God. We belong to Him. And we have peace with God. Secondly, as the Prince of Peace, those who trust in Him have the peace of God. First of all, we have peace with God. Then, as we journey through this life and the trials of life, the blessings of life, the difficulties of life, the issues of life, regardless of the issues of life, we still can have peace ruling in our life. Jesus manifested this in His own life. In the midst of storms, He was able to lay down and sleep. In the midst of great difficulty, He was calm and peaceful And he manifested that in the lives of his children as well. And so he says, in this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world gives. The world gives peace that's all dependent on circumstances. He says, my peace is dependent on a relationship. So, those who trust in Him have peace with God, but then we can have the peace of God ruling in our hearts, and that's what we're celebrating here. Thirdly, the Prince of Peace means His second coming will usher in the kingdom of peace. There is no peace on earth, we said. But the wrong will fail, the right prevail when Christ comes and establishes His kingdom. It will be a kingdom of peace. And so what we're celebrating, here is the prince whose coming brings peace. It brings peace with God when we trust Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin. It brings peace in the midst of this life. And we can look forward to a kingdom where peace reigns and rules and Jesus is the king. We look forward to that. And so Isaiah said, he is the prince of peace. Christ produced and is producing in us what we desperately need and want and have no power to deliver. Vertical peace with God as well as horizontal peace in the midst of the world that we live in. By nature, we are foreign to peace. And it's only through Christ that we can have peace. The Prince of Peace invites us to the peace that is found only in him so i want to quickly make some application since god is the everlasting father we must understand he is the everlasting father only to those who become his children by faith in christ jesus many people and it's it's raising up its ugly head among quote-unquote evangelicals that are saying God is the Father of all people and God will not allow people to go to hell. All people are His children. In the sense that God created everyone, you could say all people are His children. But Galatians chapter 3, verse 24 says, We are all the children of God, But you can't stop there. We are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. You must be born into God's family. You remember John 3. John came, um, Nicodemus came to Jesus. And Jesus said, you must be born again. He said, I don't understand. I can't go into my mother's womb again. He said, no, no, no. You were born physically. And you are physical. You must be born spiritually of God. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be born spiritually. So, all that we talked about God as a father is only available to those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of sins. Realizing that, that, that we must come to Christ, embrace our sin as our own, acknowledge it, and plead His mercies through Jesus Christ, then we are adopted into God's family. We are brought into God's family, and then we have an everlasting Father a second application is my quote-unquote father need can only be met by Jesus Christ. There are individuals that struggle in life because of various issues with their father that have wrestled with many struggles in life, and I, I, I don't know what anyone's issues are with their father. But even if you had a good relationship, a great relationship with your father, no man can meet the needs that the father needs have. They can only be met in Jesus Christ. And no father can fill the void that only Jesus Christ can meet A father should merely be pointing people to Christ, children to Christ, not drawing them to himself. Our purpose in life is to understand only the the needs that I have in life can only be met in Christ and our identity in Christ. And Satan gets people to believe that because of this home situation situation, there's no hope or you're going to bear this burden. No, our needs are met in the everlasting Father. That's why there is blessed hope for everyone. But it's only met in Jesus Christ, Christ and Christ alone. Thirdly, I need not fear the future because my Father is already there. And my Father is perfect in all His ways, and He knows how to lead me, and He is already there, He already knows, He has all the provisions set up, He is there, I need not fear the future. There are many things that can create fear. We have no idea what our health is going to do, no idea what our economy is going to do, no idea what our government's going to do, no idea what anything is going to happen. But, again, the verse we mentioned earlier, Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, that he says, You have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear. But what have we received? We've received the spirit of adoption. You're a member of God's family, whereby you cry, Abba, Father, that is an the most endearing term of a father and a son in, in the original languages. It's, it's an endearing term. It's a term of closeness. We know God in a personal, intimate manner. And He's going to take care of us. He is our Father and we can trust Him. I need not fear the future. And, fourthly, I will always have His perfect fathering care. He is the everlasting Father. I will always have it. it it's strange at times that, that you think of loved ones that have gone before us. And I, I think of my father that I think, I'd like to tell him this. I can't tell him that. But you know what? My everlasting Father, my relationship with Him is never broken. And I have His fatherly care forever. And I can rest in His care forever. And resting in His provision brings peace. When we rest in His provision, It brings to our souls peace. And this is why hundreds of years before Christ was even born, God brought the message to Israel. And He said, there is going to be a child that is born, born of a virgin. And this child shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The everlasting Father, the Prince who brings peace. And so because of that, we rejoice. Because of that, we need not fear. Because of that, we rest in His provision. And resting in His provision and standing on His promises should bring to us a peace That is inexplainable. Because He is the Prince of Peace. So, as you come and celebrate Christmas, don't just see the Babe. See, this is the one who is all wisdom. This is the one who is the mighty God. This is the one who is my Father. That's the perfect Father that never disappoints, that never grows old or weary. This is my Father, and in Him I can have peace. That's why we sing, it is well with my soul. He's my Father. He brings peace. He is mighty to the point that He can do anything and everything He wills and desires and He will do what is best. Heavenly Father, and we say that often, Heavenly Father, but Lord, may it take on a fresh meaning to us this Christmas season. May we rejoice that You are our everlasting Father. May we know the peace That only you can give us. And Lord, may we rejoice that hundreds of years before it was prophesied of your coming and you came exactly as was prophesied. And Lord, we rest in the promises that you prophesied your coming again and it will happen exactly as you promised. So Lord, we pray today, if there are any here that have never personally called upon you for the forgiveness of sins, we pray today would be the day that they personalize this gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, and call upon you and then begin to know personally the fathering of you in their life. That they would know the peace that only You can give. And Lord, I pray for every believer here today that we would truly come to embrace who You are. That You are the Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father. That our hearts would be encouraged by these truths And, Lord, that we would know the peace that only you can give. So, God, may may the reality of this child and the life of Christ transform our lives, transform how we see life and how we see eternity. For we pray in Jesus' name, amen.